Talk about life. Hello, hello. I'm Viana Novis, and this is Creatively Relating. Today is a solo episode, and in it, I will be talking about living a sensual life. This episode is a continuation of a seed I planted in episode three, pain and pleasure. And I want to go a little deeper into living a sensual life. In this episode, I'm going to keep it to the five senses. And I foresee there being a part two to this topic where I explore some non-physical senses like our sense of humor, our sense of security, our sense of perception. And when I talk about living a sensual life, as you'll hear me say in the episode, I view that as living life through the senses. So today is going to be focused on physical senses. And in the future, we'll talk more about non-physical. This show is supported by you. Thank you to all of the patrons who are supporting the show. I'm so grateful for your contribution to making this possible and your presence on Patreon is such a joy. We meditate every month together and have a Q&A. This past weekend, we had our March gathering and the questions were fantastic. It's so much fun to get to talk with everyone in real time. So if you enjoy the show and you want to connect more, come on over patreon.com slash Viana Novis. You'll also get weekly updates, including creativity exercises, writing prompts, behind the scenes views on projects I'm working on, the full photo sets for the photo shoots I do with Jess Purple, who's we are Matt and Jess on Instagram, and um, some personal updates that I don't share elsewhere. So come check it out. Patreon.com slash Viana Novis. And If you don't have financial contribution to offer at this time, you can still support the show. Subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes, whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Give a rating, leave a review. Oh my gosh, I love reading your reviews. It's so special to me to get to hear your thoughts on the show. And it means so much and it helps get the show out. So If you can't contribute at this time, that's okay. There are lots of other ways to offer your support. And you can also share on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at viana.novis and uh, share anything from the show there. That also helps. Okay, enjoy this show on living a sensual life. All right, y'all, before I start talking at you, I want you to take a moment and 
consider, reflect on, feel into how you relate to the word sensuality. What comes to mind for you? If you happen to be inside near a piece of paper, I highly recommend writing down what you think, or if it's safe and you're not driving, (laughs) type it into your phone. And if you are driving, just take a moment to consider if you have the mental bandwidth. How do you relate to the word sensuality? What comes up for you? Can you feel in your body your response? Is there a retraction or a softening into the word? Do you feel any heat or coolness, any hollowness or tingling? Do you feel excited about this word or disturbed by it? Do you feel put off from it or have a curiosity about it? I just want you to have a touch point before we dive in so that you can understand your starting point in the conversation. And at the end of the episode, maybe you'll have a difference with where you started. Maybe you'll go deeper Or maybe you'll have a difference with me. Maybe you'll believe something completely different than me. And that's great. Really what I hope to facilitate with this show is the opportunity to clarify our understanding of ourselves so that in moments when there is a difference, We're aware of it and we can say, oh, hey, look, you believe that? I believe this. We're different. That's cool. You don't need to change. I don't need to change. Look at this thing. This is different. That is so much more fun than manipulating each other and trying to coerce people into changing who they are because, I mean... I can just reflect on my own reasons for doing that in the past, though there are many. There's this kind of surface level experience of difference that I would say I I was not directly taught, but absorbed through my surroundings and the culture I was raised in, that when someone is different, that is a threat to me and my sense of self. So in order to be okay, I must change them. Now, as an adult, as I've uncovered that, I can say, fuck no, (laughs) absolutely not. I do not agree. I have a difference with the way I was raised to relate to difference. (laughs) And as you know, and may be bored with hearing already. I am going after getting skills around relating to difference this year. So in these solo episodes, I like to, let's take a moment to to flesh out where you're starting from. What's your starting point? And hold that as an opportunity to navigate, to understand if you have a difference with me if we share a similarity, or if you may end this 
listening different than you started. That's fun. Okay, so today I'm focusing on living a sensual life. And what that means to me is living life through the senses. (laughs) I'm laughing because I bit my tongue last night and it's really hard to say S's right now, which is hilarious that this is the episode I'm recording today. (laughs) My tongue is so swollen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's funny. Well, I may have a cute little lisp in this episode. So living a sensual life, living life through the senses. Today, we're just going to talk about the five physical senses. Taste, touch, sound, smell, and sight. For me, living a sensual life is how I find presence. If presence is the what, sensuality is the how. And I much prefer that to a practice because it feels it feels more accessible to me. A practice is something I do, but the way that I define sensuality is just who I am. I am a sensual being. Living life through my senses is about being in my body in the present moment witnessing my life, tasting my life, touching my life, listening, smelling, watching my life. There is no separation between who I am and this experience of sensuality. It's an inherent part of being from my perspective. And so with that, when presence is the what, the what I'm going after, and sensuality is how I'm going after presence, and there is no space between who I am and how I'm going after presence, presence is right here. Right here. Always accessible. It's not a practice I have to go to. It's not something I have to do. It is who I am. Presence is who I am. And I forget. I forget. Oh, Lordy, I forget. Is that not the, the, the thing of being human? The forgetting and the remembering and the forgetting and the remembering and round and round we go. I forget to live with my senses. I forget to pay attention to the sensual experience that I am always having. And then, ah, I'm in the future. Oh, I'm in the past. Ah, now I'm anxious. I'm depressed. Those are two very big parts of my life. So they go deep. They go deep. And using my senses to pull me from those spaces has been phenomenal such a gift, so accessible, and really liberating. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's 
Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. In the last episode I put out, episode six, uh, I was talking to Nick Strack in the early morning and I was saying like, oh, there are these little birds that just came up under my awning. Like they built a nest last year and I wonder if they're going to build another one. And I just looked up out the window and they, they're building a nest right now as we speak. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> hilarious and brilliant. It's perfect. This is the living example of living a sensual life. I, I'm, I'm in this moment now, okay? Like 30 seconds ago, I'm thinking about you, the listener. I'm thinking about this topic I'm talking about. I'm thinking I'm, I'm a few steps ahead of the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm not completely present with them because I'm, I'm, I want this to be something that is digestible. <laughs> I don't want it to be a rambling hour of me kind of talking around something, right? I want to make a point. So I got to think about it. And then my mind saw this thing and just whoosh, right in the present moment. Oh, look at this. It's right here right now. Okay. So let's just take a moment and you have this moment. Look around you. What do you see? What do you see in your world? What do you hear right now in the world around you? And what can you touch right now? What, what is around you that you can feel? The last one is taste. And maybe not so applicable if you're not eating right now, or maybe you will notice a little taste in your mouth. But let's just plant a seed. The next time you take a sip of water or a sip of your drink, the next time you have a snack or a meal, take a moment to close your eyes and really savor what it is that you're experiencing. Take a breath and taste slowly what is in your mouth. One of my very favorite things about being human is fresh in-season fruit. And there's kind of nothing I love more than closing my eyes and having somebody put a fresh, ripe, in-season fruit in my mouth. Try it with your friends or your lovers, or your children. Like, this isn't sexual, you know? I'm not talking about some kinky shit. I'm talking about presence. I'm talking about enjoying life. I'm talking about honoring the immense labor it takes to bring forth food and the power of having access to food like the opportunity of having access to food and what a gift it is to offer our presence as a form of gratitude. We can do that with our children. Consciously feeding another person does not need to be sexual. It can be sensual and not sexual. I want to teach my child how to savor eating 
in-season fresh berries because that is opening up their eyes to the present moment, fostering a sense of gratitude. And then we talk about the farmers. I mean, they know the farmers who grow our berries. We always go to the farmer's market and get berries and like they know who grows the berries that we eat. And like in that moment of sharing the berry with eyes closed and being fed the berry and savoring the berry, we're offering our gratitude to them and to the land. There's so much power there. There's so much power. And for me, the reason why I use the word sensual precisely because of the way that our culture has taken hold of this word and associated it so deeply with sexuality. And there's a Venn diagram here. There's overlap. Sensuality is present in sexual experiences and also not. <laughs> there, is a, there is a divide. There is a space where it exists without touching into a sexuality. And if sensuality completely merges with sexuality, we lose so much. I believe we lose so much. Oh, and the bird is back in the nest. Hi, cutie. Oh, I wish y'all could see this. I'm going to try to take a photo and put it in my stories tomorrow when the episode comes out so you can see. I don't know if I can get one. I'm pretty short and it's up at a high angle. So I don't know if it will work, but okay. Sensuality and sexuality. I like using this word to describe the process of living life through my senses because I am reminded every time I say it that there is a way we've been taught to relate to language. And that relationship is not always congruent with what is actually going on or even what that word actually means. And then we add in all of the variation of personal experience into how we relate to language. So using sensuality to me is a reminder to explore my experience my unique experience and go after that individuation within context to a collective. Some of the ways that I go after this, I mean, of course, they're f we're talking physical senses today. So some of the ways I go after living a sensual life are physical, right? It's like what I surround myself with the clothing I wear, the colors I surround myself with, the textures of the objects I keep. There's a cohesive language I'm speaking here because it is a feedback loop for me. And this is something I talk more about in the workshop I was teaching before COVID happened focusing on creating a personal color palette, using our ethics, our needs, and desires to 
create that palette. So it's not just color for the sake of color. It's really deeply emotional and it's about getting into the soil of who we are and what it is that we desire and translating that into color to give us a foundation to move through life with. And that foundation is about reducing decision fatigue and creating this feedback loop that's reminding us of the life we're pursuing. And this content, I was teaching it in person. And right now I'm working on putting it into a digital course that should be out by summer 2021. So um, stay tuned for that. It will be coming. It's really impactful to consider what is around us. Uh, I, I'm understanding I'm about six years in now on having this personal color palette and um, I can see season after season how much information is present through this lens and I can see where I've changed. I have punctuated moments in my color palette when I changed and this is one of those moments. You'll see it happening. Um, and it's interesting because the colors that are coming to me in this phase of life have been with me in past seasons of life. So I, f- I feel very um, excited to see that, you know, this kind of cyclical nature. And I work with color in a cyclical nature as it is in my life. I have these, you know, I have this core color palette and then I have these, you know, this kind of seasonal sweeping that happens. Um, and in the winter, I have kind of richer tones, more in the like terracotta, rust, emerald green. In the spring, it brightens up a bit. Um, I bring in some of the softer pink tones um, and yellow ochre. In the summer, it gets a little creamy. And um, there's like a minty green that happens. And so you like, there's this transition that happens through the year. But if I lay out all of my colors side by side, it's a cohesive color palette. It's just, I, I accent at different times of the year. And that's how I continue creating this feedback loop for myself. It's also how I don't uh, get bored or burnt out. Um, I, and of course, it's always open to change, but this is one of the ways I, I let my life kind of have a sense of stability and also change. Um, So this ties into senses for me because it is this, it's what I'm looking at, it's what I'm touching, it's what I'm interacting with, um, it's what I'm seeing, and it informs so much of my experience of life. Being so many years in on this practice now, I can see how valuable it is to have the structure to rest on, knowing that there's freedom to change. Of course, I'm always changing. And I can make decisions about my color palette and I can adjust it however I see fit. Um, And the idea is to create some stability. So there's foundation, you know? As I'm getting older, there's just refinement happening. It's not that everything is radically changing. It's just getting more refined and more specific. So when I started to work with this practice, 
uh, it was aspirational. It was, it was an aspirational practice to move towards the life that I desired. And it has come to fruition. And there are places where it's still aspirational. Of course, there's the seeds I'm throwing out for the future for myself. And I'm also in the harvest of many seeds I threw out in the past. So now when I'm in this present moment and I look around at, you know, these moments of beauty, and this will be a future episode. I mentioned it in the pain and pleasure episode three. Um, I want to talk more about beauty. Sensuality and beauty for me are like best friends. They're in a constellation together and they interact really intimately. And it also connects to this sense of pleasure. They're all really um, close friends here. Pleasure, sensuality, and beauty. And beauty not as a function of capitalism. Beauty as a lens, as a perspective, as an avenue for gratitude. And it's very, you know, very similar to this lens of living life through the senses and also how I go after pleasure. So for me, having cultivated this sense of beauty in my life through this color palette, you know, I'm getting this feedback loop around me. I'm looking at my life and I'm reminded of who I am, you know, the decisions I've made and the objects I've chosen to keep and the way that I organize my reality, where I struggle, you know, I physically see it. I can see when I'm struggling in my house. Like if you walk in my house right now, there is like kid toys everywhere and the dishes are done, but there's like a pile of recycling by the front door. So it's like, okay, cool. Like I'm doing okay. Like the dishes are clean. The kitchen is clean. Uh, the bed is made and I'm, I'm still not doing great because like I haven't attended to these other things. I can see it. And I can also see who I am underneath this moment. So here is like the surface experience of like, there's stuff happening and I'm tired and my hands hurt today and I'm bleeding and, you know, all of these conditions, I haven't gotten to the recycling and the trash needs to be taken out and the toys need to be put away. But underneath that, there's a foundation. There's a foundation of who I am underneath that. And it's not exactly as I want it to be. Some of it is aspirational. There are places where I know over the coming months and years, I'm going to continue cleaning and organizing. I'm going to get to organizing that closet and that drawer and whatever. I'm not putting the pressure on myself to do it immediately. And I'm taking the opportunity to use the information of my senses to realize what the map of my life is. I'm taking in the information and noticing, sitting back without judgment. That's a choice. I could choose to judge myself and why? That adds more suffering in the moment. It's not an easy choice and it is a choice. We do have the power to choose something else. We do have the power to choose not to judge ourselves when we're struggling. 
for me, living a sensual life is one of the ways that I can do that because I'm looking at my life now through this lens, through the lens of my senses, I'm gathering information. What I'm seeing is not something to judge. It's information. Oh, how interesting. I haven't made my bed in a week. What's going on? What's up, Viana? I see your bed has not been made in a week. This is me to me. Oh, I'm tired. Okay, how can you attend to that? This is obviously just through one sense. But it happens in so many. Like There are moments when I feel myself getting really agitated. And when I take a moment of pause to think, why am I so agitated? So often for me, I can trace it back to there is too much sound input. I'm very sensitive when it comes to auditory stimulation. And if there's too much noise, I get super overwhelmed and really agitated. So like if I'm driving and there's a podcast on and my kid is crying in the background, I'm overwhelmed. I'm maxed out. Too much. Too much stimulation. I'm hearing like cars going by. I'm hearing the noise on the radio. I'm hearing my kid. It's too much. The other day we were all at the beach, having a little family day at the beach. and. It was busier than I was comfortable with. We didn't stay very long. <laughs> there was like not not super close, but on either side of us, there were people. And both groups of people were listening to music very loudly, completely different styles of music. There was like country twang on one side and then like I don't even know what mix of music was happening. <laughs> it was it was a wide range of things. Some that I fucked with, some that I did not. There was like top 40 radio and then there were like throwback R&B to the 90s and then there was like some unsum music happening and like I it was just a whole mix of things going on there. So I have these two conflicting sounds happening. And then like the sound of the ocean and the sound of my toddler and like people talking and all. And I was so overwhelmed and I I could just distill it down to there's too much sound right now. The auditory stimulation that I'm experiencing is stressing me out. I honestly, I love silence. Like more often than not, my house, my car, it's silent. I, when I'm low on energy, when pain is high, when there's already a lot of stimulation going on, I can't handle more input. I haven't always known this about myself. It's something I've learned really in the last year or so, even though I've always had this inclination to have silence and I love silence. I used to, I used to take these 10 days of silence every year before I had Delu at home, this annual practice of being in silence. And I loved the opportunity to just sit in my life and not talk to people and be in this ceremony in my home, in my life. I would still go grocery shopping and still do things that I needed to. I would wear a sign that said, I'm in silence. 
now I look back and I just laugh and I'm like, look at my little hermit ass. I was just like, tuck me away. For anyone who follows human design, I, this I feel like is actually opportunist. So the, the hermit in me, like I look back at these moments and I'm like, oh my gosh, I I have always been a hermit. <laughs> I, I didn't always have the language, but I've always been a hermit. <laughs> like these opportunities to be in public and just be like, I'm in silence, don't talk to me. You know, I would just like point to my sign and it would say, I am in silence. And then, I mean, actually often people would talk to me, which is a funny thing I want to talk about uh, on another episode, like how people would respond when I was in silence. But I had bandwidth for that because I wasn't, I didn't need to speak and I was retreating back to silence. I was coming from silence and retreating back to silence so I could handle these little moments of input. But so often I need that silence to calibrate. I I need to like not have input from other people's brains and just be in silence. And And in that, it's like the birds chirping and hearing the wind in the leaves and all of that. That's that at that point it doesn't even feel like noise that feels like life and and the sound the stimulation that agitates me is like the of human creation <laughs> um and so i often need a break from that to be able to just like oh be be in this moment i've learned that about myself and that's, I mean, I fucking love music and audiobooks and podcasts and all of that. It's just now I understand how to interact with that sense because I've taken a moment to consider what is my relationship to my sense of hearing? How do I relate to this? These things like in the past where I would just get agitated, what is that? Oh, it's because I just desire silence. Great information. Like I just want to hear the birds chirping. Beautiful. It's valuable to consider what our relationship is to these parts of us that are so inherent for those of us who have these senses. I mean, if you're listening to this, that's a sense that you have hearing. Um, and it's valuable to consider what's your relationship to that like you're we can't turn it off for those of us who have um, i'm struggling for the word here for those of us whose hearing is not impaired in any way we don't turn off our hearing it's on, always. It's inherent. And how often are we reminded to consider what that experience is like? And not just in meditation or in these moments of conscious awareness, but just in, in your mundane life. Are you the type of person who always wants to have music on what about the other people in your home are they the same if not like how does everyone get their needs met to to have to be well you know to be okay to not be overstimulated and stretched past capacity 
Maybe some Bluetooth headphones are the solution. <laughs> you know, it's like when we can understand these things about ourselves, there's an opportunity I see to relate to ourselves and to each other's difference with a larger capacity for, for grace. It's just like, oh, you always want to have music on? Oh, I don't. I actually prefer silence most of the time. Cool, we know that about each other. We're different. How do we relate? Valuable information. Smell is another one. I mean, when we talk about like relating to the people who may be in our homes, sharing space with us in intimate relationships, like children, partners, family, close friends, smell is like, it's a pretty consistent form of communication. I mean, there are people in my life who I know by smell. Like, I, I could walk into a room if, and, and smell certain smells and be like, I know this person is here. I love that about the people who I know who are like very sent forward. Um, I've never really been one of those people. I've, I've desired being one of those people and have not yet accomplished that where I'm just like, how do you always smell good? I sweat. Like, how do you smell good all the time? I don't, I don't get it. Do you just like carry it with you and reapply all the time? I don't remember to do that. Yet I have a desire to smell good. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I, I don't smell funky. I just don't like, I don't have a scent that like precedes me in the room that, you know, if you smelled it, it's not going to be like, oh, that's Viana scent. But I have a desire for that. I really appreciate that consistency. Um, it's something I'm, you know, I have in my in my awareness that as I start to feel better, it's a thing I want to go after is like picking my scent and, and having that, you know, be a decision that's made in my life. Kind of like the color thing. It's like, I've made the decision. Here's what it is. I like, I've got the thing decided and done like, and, and then there are people who I know who are really scent sensitive in the way that I'm very sensitive to auditory stimulation. I know a lot of people who are really sensitive to scent and that it's like really, really off-putting and overwhelming and, you know, too much. Like a house with incense burning is like too much. That's all really valuable stuff to know. And again, it's like, how do we relate to each other through these differences? How do I relate to myself? Like, what's my desire? What's my relationship with this? And how do I take care of myself? If I'm around somebody who is really sent forward and I'm somebody who's really sent sensitive, how do I take care of myself? What are the solutions for that? I just, I have so much fun thinking about these things. <laughs> like little puzzles of life that I'm like, ooh, this is a fun one. We all have to create our own solutions here though. There, I think, is a world available to us when we turn our attention towards it. Uh, of course, like there's, there's so much information around us. And so much of it becomes commonplace to the point where we forget to ask questions about it. 
And what I see in my relationship with myself is that it's the safest practice ground for me to do anything else in any other dynamic, in any other relationship, in my community, and beyond. If I can practice here in myself, I'm one, going to have a resting place to return to. Two, I'm going to have a map for navigating those experiences. And three, I'm going to have some uh, wiring, some track laid, some groundwork uh, to, to lead me forward down the path of utilizing this skill. It's already... Um, in me in some way. It's not brand new as I try to bring it to a relationship with another person. There's some stability created already. I'm in a moment right now in my life where I'm really seeing the value of cultivating this sense of consistency in my relationship to self in a way that I I really struggle to articulate. It's like 20 years of practice coming to um, harvest point and knowing that there are still many seasons ahead. And it's like for anyone who's planted any kind of like apple or pear tree, you know, there's uh, when it's really young and it doesn't like produce fruit yet. and And then it starts to produce fruit, but the fruit is not very good. It's not like it's not mature enough yet for the fruit to be like really tasty, but it's like, oh, look at you're making fruit like that is clearly an apple. It just tastes pretty gross. And then one season it starts to make delicious fucking fruit. That's kind of what I feel like right now in my life. Like I've been making apples, but they just like haven't been very tasty And now my apples are fucking delicious. And there are like, the tree has been tended to. And as I keep tending to it and as I keep taking care of it, it's like got the stability now to produce delicious fruit far, far, far into the future. That's how I'm feeling right now in my life. And this perspective of living a sensual life has been such a foundational element of that. This practice, again, just to bring it back to the beginning, is it's how I approach the experience of presence. Presence is what I'm after. Because in the present moment, so much can be accomplished, both in how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. Congruence lives in the present moment. Choice lives in the present moment. Healing lives in the present moment. Security lives in the present moment. And by security, I mean like mental security, emotional security, not, not physical financial security. The, the, my, my mental well-being lives in the present moment. When I'm in the present moment, I have the opportunity to be well. And as somebody who has 
dealt with depression and anxiety throughout my life, I can tell you very, very deeply that it is different to sustainably be in the present moment. It doesn't erase the instability. Like the function of depression and anxiety are still present. And the more I work with presence, presence through an accessible lens like the body that I inhabit as the vehicle for experiencing presence, the more I can shift into these modes of depression and anxiety and notice, oh, I'm starting to feel really depressed. Huh. I've been reflecting a lot on the past. I'm really in this past moment of pain right now. What's happening in the present moment? I can tell you, I just earlier this week, I had a huge trauma release. It was um, just after the year anniversary of being hospitalized and almost dying. And um, it hit me like a ton of bricks, really. Uh, I, I felt pretty high on like gratitude and, and awe and feeling really proud of myself on the anniversary. And then as night hit that night, it, it, the pain started to, to wash over me. And then the next night, I, oh, I just had this huge release. And I was shaking and hyperventilating and crying so hard. And... I was, I was, you know, I felt like a time portal had opened and I was just back in the hospital and I was back in the wounds of that moment and back in the stories of that moment. And, and I was back, I was back and I was suffering. And then a voice washed over me, this voice that I've been attending to because I've been working to anchor this perspective of living life through the senses. So it was, it's a ground that is solid. It's, it's a path that is clear in my life because I attend to it when I'm not in those moments. And so when I am in those moments, it's accessible. You know, sometimes I forget. I have the moments of forgetting. Yeah, often I forget. And the gap between forgetting and remembering is getting smaller for me. So I'm having this experience. I'm back in the pain, back in the story, back in the suffering. And a voice comes over me and says, hey, go look in the mirror. So I get up and I go to the bathroom and I look in the mirror. And I look at myself and I'm shaking, I'm trembling. My jaw is trembling, my hands are trembling. My eyes are puffy and red and, and the tears coming down my cheek were so heavy with moisture that they were almost like a comic, like a, like a cartoon teardrop. They were like so big. These teardrops were so big and in these like perfect streams down my face. Like it looked like somebody staged my tears. They were so beautiful. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm looking at my eyes and I'm just like, this is trauma. This is trauma moving. I'm looking at it. I'm looking, I'm watching the trauma move in my body. Like this is what animals do, right? They experience trauma and then they get up and they shake their bodies. 
They shake it out. We're animals also. We got to do that. So I'm watching in the mirror, watching this trauma move in my body. I'm, I'm tasting the tears. I'm tasting the grief run down my face. I can hear my teeth chattering and the, the wailing, I mean wailing, I was wailing. And there was so much in that wail. It was like the sound of death. I mean, the, the, the sound of mourning rather, because the sound of death, I would say, is silence. It's it, maybe not even, it's like the hum of the universe. It's blissful. Like that feeling of almost dying was glorious. It was coming back to my body that was painful. It was choosing to remain a human that was painful. It was figuring out how to stay alive that was painful. If I let myself go where I was going, that was beautiful, peaceful, stunning the wail that was coming out of me, this wailing was a mourning at the loss, at everything that I've lost in that. And I didn't need to contextualize it beyond that. I didn't need to add the, and I've gained so much. And No, this was just about mourning what I've lost, period. And I could hear it in my voice. I could hear it in my screams. I could hear it in the chattering of my teeth. I could see it in the trembling of my hands. I could taste it in the saltiness of my grief. My senses were alive. I was watching, feeling, tasting this grief move through me. And in that moment, I was present and I wasn't suffering anymore. I wasn't in the past. I wasn't in, in the past pain. I was here in the moment. And then I could feel my brain start to do the thing that it does when my trauma response is kicked up, which is to go to the future and try to problem solve and fix, I'm using air quotes, and by fix, I mean manipulate the present moment so that I can avoid more trauma in the future. A very intelligent trauma response as a child in a very unproductive trauma response as an adult, a very unproductive mechanism as an adult. Running to the future to gather quote-unquote information about potential scenarios and then manipulating the present moment to avoid those scenarios that are not real is a fuckery that hurts me. Time and time again, it has hurt me. And now I can see it. Now I can say, oh, these are the things. This, This is the thing. This is the pattern. When I... When my trauma response get tr- gets tripped, this is the thing I do. So here I am in the moment, right? I'm not in the past pain. I'm here in the moment with the trauma. Oh, fuck. I'm with the trauma. I'm with it. 
not the story, not, not the moment, right? The ripple of the trauma. Here it is. I don't want to be with it. No, I don't like that. How do I avoid this? How do I avoid this ever happening again? Well, like disclaimer, it's like, it's about moving it. It's about feeling it. And it's about having help. I'll get more into that. But this is the mechanism, right? How do I avoid this? I don't want to be in this. I don't want this to happen again. I want to protect myself from this ever happening again. I'm going to go to the future. I'm going to go to the future. I'm going to try to figure out what the fuck happened. How do I avoid this happening again in the future? I could feel this mechanism. This is my old pattern. And I could feel the mechanism happening as I'm in this moment. And my senses draw me back to the present moment. And I say to myself, okay, Viana, what's the next thing you do? What is the next thing you have to do? And I'm still trembling and wailing and hyperventilating. And in that, I'm like, the next thought is, you know, and this part of me, this part of me that is experiencing the trauma release now chooses I am the person who washes their face. So that's the next thing I did. It's nighttime, you know, I'm getting into my nighttime routine. And so I turn on the water and now I'm feeling the water and I'm noticing the water. I'm noticing the temperature. I'm noticing how it feels against my hands. I'm noticing how my hands feel. I'm touching the washcloth. I'm touching the washcloth to my face. I'm feeling the soap. I'm smelling the soap. I'm listening to the sound of the water. My senses draw me back into the present moment. And then, oh, there it goes again, trailing off to the future, trying to figure out things. No, 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 honey, come back here, right here, right here, right here. And then, What's the next thing, Viana? What's the next thing you have to do? I dry my face. I'm the person who dries their face. I mean, this is literally what it sounded like in my head. I am the person who dries their face and I'm drying my face and I'm feeling myself drying my face. Okay, the towel, it's kind of scratchy. This isn't my favorite towel. This is like one of the, you know, the toddler dirty towels. It's clean, but like, this is the one I don't care if it gets messy or muddy or whatever. Okay, I'm noticing the feeling of that texture on my skin and oh, there's my brain going to the future because now that activity is done. And so I did this dance. I mean, I, did, I just kept doing this dance all night until I got into bed through all of the steps of my nighttime routine. And I was just brushing my teeth. I am the person who brushes their teeth. This is the thought that was in my head. I'm still crying. I'm still trembling. Now I'm brushing my teeth. And the thought that I'm thinking is I am the person who brushes their teeth. And as I'm trembling and crying and (laughs) having this trauma release, I'm also paying attention to what the toothbrush feels like on my gums, in my hand, what the toothpaste tastes like, what it looks like. Is it dripping down my chin a little? you know, paying attention. And then I can tell you, this was such a different experience for me because normally on nights when I have big releases like this, I don't sleep well. And the next morning I wake up and I'm super anxious and my stomach is in knots and I don't have a huge appetite. And there's a, there's a kind of a trauma hangover that maybe I'll get out of by like midday, maybe. This night, working with my senses 
in this big release, a big fuck like following uh, processing the fact that I almost died, like monumental. <laughs> and I didn't need to contextualize it with all the goodness that has come. Like I let myself mourn what I lost because there has been so much loss. The next morning I woke up and, and I, when I went to sleep, I was really tired. I mean, I, I really let myself feel the fatigue. I let myself into it because I was staying present. And I was just, uh, when I'm in bed now, I'm feeling my blankets, I'm feeling my pillow, I'm, I'm noticing, you know, I sleep with a stuffed animal. Y'all, especially if you have experienced trauma, I cannot recommend sleeping with a stuffed animal enough. It's lovely to have a little cozy something to snug up to. Like, I, I don't like sleeping with another person in my bed because I like, I take up a lot of space when I sleep. Like I, I sleep in a king bed and I take up that fucking king bed. Okay. And I don't want to share my bed with it. Like that's not romantic to me. I don't think that's cute. Like I don't want another person sleeping next to me. This is where I'm sleeping. This is not a moment for romance. It's not a moment for cuddling. I don't like, I had different ideas about that in the past. Now I understand I love sleeping alone. And I do also love snuggling. And guess what? It's a stuffed animal. What I want to sleep with is a stuffed animal, not another person. So information. Anyways, had my little lovey. I'm feeling my lovey, snugged up to my lovey. And I was just really in the present moment, really feeling this present moment. And in that, I could feel the fatigue of the present moment. So I was able to fall asleep with that. And the next morning, I woke up a bit in the night and I did, you know, it was a little restless, but I was able to, to keep coming back to this practice through my senses. And in the morning I woke up and I felt so calm. It was, I, I, it was beyond words. I felt like I had just come out of eight hours of meditating. In fact, I, I wasn't just like, oh, it's a new day. I was like, my soul felt calm. It wasn't just my body being like, okay, I'm waking up and starting the day. It was like a quiet internally. Living a sensual life for me is not just about pleasure inherently. Like it, it, it's, mo it's moving towards pleasure, yes, as a vehicle for liberation. But before it gets to pleasure, it's about trauma resolution. It's a map for trauma resolution. It's showing me here in the present moment is where trauma gets resolved. I can tell you I've had a lot of confusing thoughts about that over the years. I am finally now working with a therapist who really gets me and works in a way that works for me and works in modalities that I desire. And like, we are, we're just, we work together. Like we work really well together and we've been working together since November. So it's relatively new. It's March now. It's just been a couple of months. And I, this is the most supportive supported I've ever felt in regards to dealing with the trauma of my life. So there's this 
you know, I can see the differences that I had in what I thought about trauma and trauma resolution based on the other therapists I'd work, I've worked with in the past, but also just all the work that I did on my own. And now I feel like I'm actually, like I've just pulled the thread of trauma in my life and I've unraveled everything, everything, everything here. How much of my, what I believed was my identity was actually trauma? Holy fuck. I, I struggle for words. I am in awe realizing how much of who I thought I was was actually the imprint of trauma. It was the response that I had developed to the pain that I had experienced. It was my way of trying to keep myself safe. So much of who I thought I was as the result of this mechanism of trying to keep myself safe, it was not in the present moment. Most of these aspects of quote unquote myself were not in the present moment. They were reliving the trauma. They were going to the future to try to protect myself from experiencing it again and missing the moment in the center. And as somebody who has meditated for almost 20 years, I can say there is a difference. There is a distinction between resolving trauma and being present as the result of resolving trauma versus doing practices to try to foster a sense of presence. Different. They're different. Valuable. They're both valuable, incredibly valuable, and different. Actual trauma resolution does not happen alone. Throughout my life, I had really prided myself on all of the work that I accomplished on my own. And I do feel very proud of myself. I've done a really good job. Like I'm in this moment, I'm just thinking back to younger versions of myself and just like cupping my face and just like, oh babe, you did, like, I'm so proud of you. You really tried your best and you did a great job and you believed that doing it alone was a sign of your value and it wasn't. You can get help for this. In fact, you need help for this. To be well, you need help. Because if I slashed my head open, I am not going to sit in the mirror attempting to stitch up my own forehead. I am not trained to do that. I don't have the skills to do that. There are people who have studied how to fix a slashed head. And guess what? Those skills are not meditation. <laughs> like just, okay, bringing it back to now trauma. Like if my slashed my head was slashed open, I would go to a doctor 
who studied and has the skills. And I, I under like, I'm just going to put that into the context of like, I understand there's a lot of nuance here and of how people would like, who they would go to, to seek help. It doesn't need to be a doctor. Like it might be your community healer or like your grandmother or whatever, like whoever you would go to, like, I understand in different communities, we will have difference here with that language. Like, I'm not saying that's true for everyone. For me, I would go to somebody who, who has the knowledge that I don't have, put it in that context, whoever that person is for you. There's somebody who has training that's outside of the scope of the information that you have. Generally, if we get hurt past a certain point, we're going to seek the help of somebody who has the information that we don't. When it comes to trauma, same, same. There are people who have information about trauma, about the mechanism of trauma, about the way that it impacts the physical body and, and the way that the physical body interrupts or supports the way that we experience life. And I understand now that tending to trauma to actually reach a point of resolve includes having people with that information around and available to be in process with. And that's not just meditation. The skill is not just meditation. I've meditated for 20 years and I have been a hot fucking mess through a lot of that time. Meditation is valuable. It's so valuable. It's so valuable. And it's not the end. Meditation is something we do. It's a way to facilitate presence. And it's also still something that we do. Inherently, we, we are wired for presence. How then do we bring presence in without having it be something we have to do? How do we allow presence to be the natural state of being? For those of us who have experienced trauma, disclaimer, that's all of us. To varying degrees, that's all of us. We have been raised in a traumatic society. We cannot remove that condition. And the intensity of trauma will vary based on our intersections, based on our lived experiences, the web of what we have to untangle, the amount of shit on our plates that we have to clean up is different. And still, trauma is a word we all have a relationship with. So to varying degrees, when we talk about resolving trauma, what I am learning in this moment, you may have difference with, that's okay. What I am learning in this moment is that resolving trauma happens in the present moment and in relationship. My therapist is helping me make the choices in the present moment to support being in relationship with myself, to support choosing myself first. And my therapist and I have a relationship. That relationship is focused on facilitating a deeper relationship with myself. There's so much to be learned in relationship. I understand now having the therapist that is like the fucking right therapist for me. 
how impactful of a relationship that is to uh, to really navigate the subtle ways that trauma lingers, the speed that trauma moves with. I have so much new information now. I can look back. I can see the mechanism in myself that was moving, pushing forward, that was moving so fast, that was desiring to be bigger, to be seen, to be acknowledged, to grow quicker, to produce quicker, to to push forward. That was trauma. That was trauma. Presence, trust, being in relationship with myself, living with my senses, that's present and it's slow. It's slow. It doesn't rush. It's not struggling ahead of itself. It's here. It's really here. It's really, really here. It's not just thinking it's here. It's not just saying it's here. It's here. This whole, this part of me is here, present. This part being the traumatized part. And my life is different. My life is so different now that I'm learning how to cultivate this. I don't always get it right yet. I'm in process with this. I'm learning. I'm integrating. I have almost 20 years of practice and I'm just now at the moment where my fruits are starting to taste sweet. (laughs) And, you know, I I don't necessarily believe that that has to be the case for everyone, right? Because when we look back 20 years, it's like we had different access to information. There was different cultural conversation going on. Like, I don't believe that you need to put in 20 years to, to reach this moment. I That's not what I have around this. I'm saying like, I've been struggling against this for 20 years and I don't believe that the struggle is done. In this moment, I'm not arriving and saying like, look at my perfect situation. I've got it figured out. Like there's gonna be some rotten fruit on my tree still. Like it's gonna happen. There might be some years where the harvest is not good. Like it doesn't taste good. Where, you know, conditions weren't right and and. It was a shit harvest. Like, I love the tree metaphor because I think it just works on so many levels. Like, and winter will come, right? And the leaves will fall, and there will be a season of not fruiting. Like, all of that is true here in this moment with everything that I'm learning and integrating. And I can just really feel the significance of utilizing this perspective of living a sensual life as a vehicle for trauma resolution, ultimately a vehicle for liberation. It starts with myself. It starts in the intimacy of my own body. And then it moves into the intimate relationships in my life and on and on and on. And what would it be like? What world could we create together if all of us were doing this, if all of us were attending to life in this way, living life through our senses, curiously exploring how we relate to each of our senses, where our capacity is at, where our threshold of overstimulation is with each sense, 
how we can create uh, an awareness of when we reach that point of stimulation and how we can communicate verbally or not with the people around us that we've reached capacity. How do we take care of ourselves? How do we use our senses to take care of ourselves? How can we create a feedback loop to remind us that our senses are an inherent part of who we are? And when we are in relationship with them, we are in the present moment. We are present. It is not something we have to do. It is what we are. It is who we are. When the unraveling of the trauma comes, when the unraveling of the pattern of trauma arrives, when the identity begins to unravel as the thread gets pulled, what arrives is this. We are. I am. present now i can tell you the existential curiosity <laughs> wasn't quite dread more of just curiosity around okay well if all these things i thought that were that was who i am is not in fact who i am who am i answer I am. That's it. That's all of it. I am. God, I can like feel parts of myself just rolling their eyes and being like, oh, dude, come on. <laughs> come on with this shit. Like, <laughs> It doesn't need to be that serious, is what I'm saying. I am, and it's here in the present moment. It's not so fucking serious. It's not like, it's not so complicated. It's not all of the density that uh, so often gets attached to it. It's like the levity is important here. The levity is here, it's here. And these are the non-physical senses that I wanna talk about in the next episode on this topic, like our sense of humor. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know why I just treated that like some big reveal. <laughs> there's more to the conversation to be had around senses. Today, we're just going to keep it on the physical senses, but there's more to come. Bringing it back to the present moment. Bringing ourselves, our consciousness, the fractured, fragmented pieces of us to the present moment. What I am understanding right now is that it is far less complicated than I once thought. It is far less complicated. Presence is, and I forget. I forget often, and yet still, presence is. What is required or what the opportunity is here is to remember that. I don't need to do anything about it beyond feeling, seeing, smelling, 
watching, tasting, touching, listening. When I use my senses, when I am in my body, which bringing in the trauma piece is not accessible for all of us, it has taken me a lot of work to find stability in my body. When I'm in my body, presence, there's, there's no separation. It's right here. Effortless, in fact. It's effortlessly right here. When I am in my body and I am living my life sensually, when I am living my life through my senses, it's right here. And I can see, wow, I can see. I look back and I can see so clearly all the parts of me that believed that I had it figured out. And so in this moment, I'm not arriving with that. I, that's not what I have. I don't think I have it figured out. This is what I have right now. And it will continue to evolve. As I evolve, as I grow, as I heal, so too will this information. This is what I have right now. I can see in the moments when I thought I had it all figured out. Oh, no, no, no. In fact, I was just deeply reacting to my trauma. And what I believe now with the perspective I have is that when I look at those moments when I was in a deep reaction to my trauma and believing that I had it all figured out, I think there was some part of my consciousness that was just hurting and aching so deeply for the recognition, the acknowledgement of the pain that I experienced in my life, that it was seeking acknowledgement in this moment and believing that in order to receive the acknowledgement I desire, I have to show people I have this figured out. I have to have it together. I need to be a leader a guide in order to receive the recognition I desire. I want people to view me as a teacher. That's how I'm going to get the recognition I desire, and that's what's going to help me tend to this pain. Guess what? That was not true. And looking back now, I can also see that the words I just put to that experience were not the words I could have put to that experience when I was in it. No, 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 no. I would have told you in that moment, I want to help people. I'm here to help people. I, I want to support people. I want to, and like, that's what I'm after. I want to help people. And I never really considered if people wanted to be helped. <laughs> This is the thing I laugh at now. Like, I want, like, my desire was to help people. That was it. I want to help people. I didn't know how to take it further than that. I didn't know how to add nuance to that. I would see somebody, I would project what I believed to be true about them onto their experience and say, like, oh, yeah, I know all about this. I've got answers for you. I've got, I mean, I wouldn't say it in that way. I'm, I'm playing this up right now. It wasn't that exaggerated, but 
This is when I look back, this is what it looks like to me from my perspective now where I was like, oh goodness, that was very, very exaggerated. Um, it wasn't in reality. That's just how I'm remembering it with the more, uh, with the slower perspective I have now. I, I just, I have this sense now of like, you know, I don't have your answers. I, I like, don't believe that I have your answers because I don't. And in the past, I would have like charged forward with like, I have answers. I have the information. You're going to want it. It's great. It's great information and it's definitely going to change your life. That's how I presented in the past. And now I'm like, I, you know, we might have difference. You might not want the thing that I have and the thing that I have might not work for you. I don't want to help you. I want to relate to you. That doesn't require you to change. That doesn't require you to come to my side and believe what I believe. It allows us to be different. It allows us to be exactly where we are and whole and complete. All of this for me comes through living life sensually. It has been a a significant puzzle piece and and it comes and it fits into place and it connects to the trauma resolution work that I'm doing with my therapist and it connects to the information and the skills that I'm getting with James Olivia and Dr. Jen McCabe and everyone at Lead Gather Relate like it it's part of a constellation it's not happening in isolation this understanding, though it predates this moment, it has clicked into place because there are things that are surrounding it that anchor it into the picture of my life. It's not a floating puzzle piece on its own. It's interconnected. So that's what I've got for you today. And it's a conversation, no doubt, we'll have more of. There's more subtle senses I want to talk about in a future episode. And I have no doubts that as I continue to grow and evolve, so too will this topic. It has already in the past couple of years, even in the past couple of months. The more I talk about it, the more I understand it. How lovely. As we wrap up today's episode, I want you to just take another moment to look around you. Notice what you see. Notice what you hear. Feel with awareness what you're touching. Notice what you're feeling in your body, what sensations you're feeling. Notice any smells, 
and anything you can taste. How can you remember to do this? The more you turn your attention towards your senses, the easier that feedback loop will become because it's inherent here, right? And the choice is to bring the parts of the consciousness that wander forward and backward in time just to place their attention on this experience that you are having already. How can you remind yourself to place your attention in the experience that you're having right now? Maybe you want to set a few timers in your day, on your phone, on your watch, a few alarms. Maybe you want to put up post-it notes around your house, in your car. You know, do do something because it starts with action. And then as you practice, it will evolve into being because it is who you are. And it's just this process of retraining ourselves, our minds, and working through these patterns. As James Olivia says, it's about what we practice. We have a lot of practice in in these skills that are not so desirable. These are my own words now, paraphrasing. Uh, And we can practice attending to new skills. Presence is, it's here. It's our bodies are always in the present moment. They're right here. Our senses are always in the present moment. And when we can place our attention into the experience that is happening, presence is, we are here with it. There's nothing else we have to do. Thanks so much for being here. Now it's time for Creatively Exploring, your opportunity to digest today's content through your own creative expression. For today's exercise, I want you to take a sheet of paper or uh, a digital medium if, if that's easier for you, if you have a tablet or something, and down the side of your paper, write the five senses. Taste, touch, sound, smell, sight. Draw a line between them so you have some delineated spaces and explore each of those senses. You can come at it from a few different ways. You can think about ways that you want to interact with that sense, things that you really love. You can think about things that you really dislike in relationship to that sense. And I also think it would be really valuable to consider what your capacity is within that. Do you have a limited capacity or a pretty expansive capacity? Like with smell, if there are really strong scents around you, do you have a limited capacity for that or do you have an expanded capacity? Like does scent bother you? Is that something you're relatively aware of or 
Is it not really something that you have a reaction to? How about sound, right? How about touch? Like, do textures bother you? Or, you know, touch can be, you can look at touch through many different lenses, right? Being touched, touching something, the way your clothing touches you, the things that you interact with, the objects you interact with. Like, there's many, there's many ways to explore that. So take it in whatever direction you desire. And really let yourself explore each of these senses. You may even want to dedicate one whole sheet of paper for each sense. Again, explore as you desire. And beyond the writing, I also want to encourage you this week to add in a non-verbal uh, component of expression. So maybe it's painting or coloring, maybe it's dancing, maybe it's cooking. Something that does not require word for you to explore your relationship to the senses. I mean, this is one where really like have some fun with it. Like you can get in and explore so much in relationship to your senses. So uh, let yourself explore. And, and go beyond the page and see what happens. I would love to hear what unfolds for you. I would love to hear how this episode has landed and also what comes up in your uh, creatively exploring exercise. So feel free to call in and share one eight three three two relate one eight three three two seven three. 5283. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe to the show, leave a review, leave a rating, follow along on Instagram at viana.novis. And hey, share with a friend. If you really enjoyed this episode, take a moment to send it to a friend right now. That is another huge way to support the show. Word of mouth. There's kind of no better way to get the word out share it with your friends. And if you want to support the show, come pop over to patreon.com slash Viana Novis. Music for today's episode was written and recorded by Zena Carlota at Z-E-N-A-C-A-R-L-O-T-A on Instagram. Mixed by Brendan Willing James, who be my pod mate. I've been totally fucking up your name on the show. That is my dyslexic ass. Like I completely reversed Brandon's name for the first five or six episodes and I didn't even notice until the other day. Thankfully I noticed though. <laughs> Brandon Willing James at B Willing on Instagram, B-W-I-L-L-I-N-G. Thanks so much for your support. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.